Our scripture reading today is Matthew 21, 1 to 11, and Isaiah 53, 1 to 12. Matthew 21, 1 to 11. I'll be reading from the NIV. This is when Jesus comes to Jerusalem as king. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, See your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those who followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. And now Isaiah 53, verses 1 to 12. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground he had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray, each of us turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as sheep before its shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people, and he was punished. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After he has suffered, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors.
We'll ask Son Ben to come up and we'll have a word of prayer for him. Lord, we lift up your servant, Sung Ben, as he brings the message from your word today. ask you to bless his words, bring honor and glory to you. We pray for him and his future and his family. Uh, give him peace. Give him your wisdom. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bob. And we will watch first a short video clip. It's about a song um, sung by Michael Card named A Ride on to Die. Let us watch it together. But he'll conquer alone, both the 
Shine and I um, enjoyed our honeymoon at Europe, reducing our budget for our home, and we believe it's worthwhile. It was worth it. And we traveled um, Italy and Paris and Swiss. Um, we really liked Paris with its free and romantic atmosphere, but historic sites-wide, Rome was superb, especially all those statues huge and very high and one of the biggest I mean impressive statue was uh, Vittorino Emanuele II the, the riding horse that statue is really high and big and was quite overwhelming one of the best parts of STEM meeting I do in the jail and also in our church Yellow Creek um, I've been learning about new English vocabularies and idioms such as hankering for hunk of cheese, something like that. <laughs> and one day we talked about what is the biggest breed horse, horse breed, what is the biggest horse breed, and we talked about that. And I, after that, I Googled it, and I, find, I found Shire breed, the currently biggest horse breed. And actually, I had a chance here in Eckerd County to see some horses really big at 4-H Fair about five years ago. The horses were really, really big and quite overwhelming. I love that. However, Jesus did not choose Shire horse, but a donkey and a fall of donkey as Zechariah prophesied in the Old Testament. What we just seen from the clip today, how low, was his ride and how close and near he was from the crowd, it was not so much overwhelming, his ride. Just friendly, too close, and friendly. It was by no means like the statue in Rome at all, a great demonstration about how humble is our Messiah. So through this Lent, as we meditate the suffering of Christ, 
about the Passover lamb, I just want to highlight the humbleness of Jesus Christ and how he was compassionate and obedient. Actually, I was tempted to title my sermon today as My Own Tadpole Time. Um, there is a saying in South Korea introducing Korean idiom now that frog don't remember their tadpole time. Means once people became successful, they do not remember about their suffering time. Something like that. So to practice more humbleness, I try to remember my own tadpole time. I'll share something about that, some stories. My original church in South Korea, as I grew up, is Semunan Church. It was Presbyterian. It, it was the first Presbyterian church in South Korea, very historic, like Yellow Creek. It's a big church about every Sunday, two to 3,000 people gathered up together. And I was invited by my friend about my first middle school year, sixth grader or seventh grade like that. And since there are so many people, I was over overwhelmed. It was quite different from my church in my village. It was small, but that church is huge. The problem is that it was really hard for me to make friends in that big church. About three years, I just attend only Sunday school, worship and Sunday school, but not so much enjoyed friendship in the church. Sometimes I thought, oh, I need to quit attending this church. I love this church. I love the sermon. But making friends was so hard. After three years, someone invited me to the choir, youth choir. And that opened me all the fellowship with people and all the activities, which were great. But about three years, I still remember, I was quite lonely in that huge and big church. And think about that, whoever visit our church, how they be overwhelmed, lonely, and not so much know what to do, and how much it is meaningful when you approach them and say to them, how are you? Welcome to our congregation. What it would mean to them. That was one of my tadpole time. One more, one more story. After my military service, about two and a half, two years and two months, and then I came back to my school, my seminary. And after my military service, there were Greek class. I love Greek, but at first, it was not that fun. And actually, I was suffering a little bit of phobia, some exam or test phobia, so I became a bit more fearful or depressed about tests. The first midterm exam with Greek, even though I studied very hard and I was well prepared about the test, but I didn't show up the test. I didn't participate. I didn't, I didn't take the test. And the professor surprised because he knew I was studying hard. So he called me personally and said, what happened? And I shared about my, my phobia. I have some depression and phobia about tests. And the professor very generously offered me, okay, I understand, why don't you 
take your own retest. I will offer that. So that was gracious offer. So I took it, and I took the test alone, the midterm alone. And that encouraged me a lot. So I studied even more. I, I took the final test, and the professor gave me A+. And that became even better encouragement. Okay, I will go more with Greek. Now I really enjoy my Greek and digging deeper and feeling free about studying New Testament Greek. That's my tadpole time. Thinking about Jesus' humbleness, why don't you remember when you were really struggling? When you were really young, when you were not so much confident about your life, right? And there are still people who are not so much confident, not so much knowing what to do. And rather than easily judging them, trying to understand, remembering our tadpole time, I believe. To me, if I'm to explain about what is humbleness, it is to remember our own tadpole time. Next, undoubtedly, yeah, not next, yet, our Lord Jesus Christ is the best example of humbleness. He himself said in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Next, his compassion. Mark 6, 34 says, When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And it said, Jesus had compassion on them. And Greek here, with compassion, is plank nizomai. 12 times in the New Testament. It means not only having just feeling of compassion, but some moving, some response in your inward parts, in your body, such as intestines, kidney, liver. Something happens in your body. So there's similar idiom in Korea. In Korean, 단장지에. It's also, it came from China. So Qin Dynasty, uh, there was General Huan On in military service. And one of his soldiers in their military trip, one of his soldiers took a baby monkey from his mom. And they were moving on a ship. And the mother monkey followed that ship through the bank about 25 miles. And when the bank became near the ship, the monkey jumped to the ship for his son, but soldiers found the mom right away, passed away. And they figure out what, why the mother monkey passed away, and they look it up, and they found her intestines were cut because of sorrow. When we think about our children, our parents, our beloved ones, when they suffer, 
Not only feelings, not only emotion. We suffer. And there are quite a few people, when they are stressed out, they feel something, their headache or stomachache, their body responses. Right? And that's what Jesus responded to the crowd. Crowd without shepherd. Like the feeling his intestines were cutting. As I look up about compassion, about application of, about application of compassion, I could think about sympathy and empathy. Uh, through the jail ministry, to be helpful for them, I need to sympathize and empathize about that, or with the people in the jail. And about sympathy and empathy, it's a little bit similar, but a little bit different. So I looked up a website of psychiatrists, quote, they explain about a difference between sympathy and empathy like this. Sympathy often involves a lot of judgment. Empathy has none. Sympathy involves understanding from your own perspective. Empathy involves putting yourself in the other person's shoes and understanding why they may have these particular feelings. In becoming aware of the root cause of why a person feels that way they do, we can better understand and provide healthier op options. So if sympathy is a bit more passive, it's better than not having sympathy, but it's a bit passive, just open to other people, what they struggle, and is trying to listen. But empathy is more of active action. Thinking more actively and participating more actively why people suffer. That's a more active response than sympathy. And, and that's what God had for us. Not just being sympathized up in the heaven, but he wanted to participate our suffering. So he sent his son and God the son in his incarnation became a human being. In his compassion, he bore our sins. Third one is about obedient. As I study theology, what I find and keep finding from some liberal groups, even though I respect because I know many generous liberal people actually, they also share generously, but about Christian faith is not easy to agree to, agree with. And they tend to think Jesus as only a role model of ethics or morality, something like that. And they somehow ignore Jesus was sent by God. And Jesus was obeying the will of God. They somehow ignore that point. But the Bible from the Genesis to Revelation, it's very clear that Jesus was sent by the Father. And in Gethsemane, one of his last prayer, in his most painful time, to overcome all that fear in advance was his prayer, not my will, but thine. Which is worthwhile for us to meditate through this land time. We see all that shouting of crowd when Jesus entered Jerusalem. And people shout, Hosanna the king means save us. People were excited. 
They were expecting the Messiah may drive out the rooms, the soldiers. But it was not Jesus' way. Jesus' way was about to be crucified, becoming the Passover lamb. And that was his obedience in his faith to the will of God. Not his own will, but he followed and obeyed God's will. And some people insist how abusive it is. Why innocent, why innocent son should, have, should die for the sinners? It doesn't make sense. Kind of universal abuse. Some people say like that, but what they lack is the perspective of resurrection. Because God raised Jesus after three days, proving how righteous and holy and powerful and his will. And through that story of suffering and resurrection, now through 2,000 years, how many people were being saved, relying on the message of the gospel, how much Jesus healed and preached the gospel and suffered and died and raised up after three days ascended and will come again, relying on the message of the gospel, how much people are benefited and saved from the sin of this world. So, application. How could we apply these wonderful characters of Jesus, his humbleness, compassion, and obedience? First, humbleness, no ruling over, but serving. Mark 10, 43 to 45 is one of the central verses in the Gospel of Mark, very central. You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, but their great one, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So as we think and meditate humbleness of Christ, we kind of lay down our tendency, our in nature, innate tendency of rule it over. We really enjoyed a concert with Pastor Doug at Jeremy Camp, and um, actually we did, did not know about his name. We knew his songs but not know the name. Uh, so our expe expectation was very low, but wow, it was great and so familiar with our ears because we listened to the music many times the WFRN. And he shared about his story, that his ex-wife, if you see the movie, I Still Believe, his first wife passed away by cancer. And he was really, really suffered and struggled with that because he believed God would heal his wife. But she passed away. And he had to go through a dark night of soul. Until then, many things was his control. But he had to lay down his control. And he had to lift up all his life to God's hand. 
And then he shared in the concert, I again choose to believe. And that was powerful testimony. When we, when we suffer something we didn't expect, but still choosing to believe, choosing to believe, and being free from ruling it over, lord it over people, but rather than that, trying to serve. And Jesus said, which is quite challenging word, must be. Whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. Wow, that's a really challenging word to me. So about humbleness, laying down our tendency of ruling it over, control, but trying to how to serve people around us. And compassion. Empathize. Why don't you try to think why people are like that? And there's Greg Fry, one of the chaplains in the jail, uh, one of the volunteers, and he's great, uh, retired from Oakland, um, youth minister. And he once many times shared in the jail and the work he leads and, and also our retreat time about ACE, adverse childhood um, experience that how much people struggle because of, their, because of their traumas in their childhood. And there were so many testimonies in the jail, how they suffered. And recently I met a person in the work he leads. He came to US, 15 year old, Hispanic person, and all his family are dispersed, not in this country. So he had to grow up alone in this country he couldn't graduate high school because he wanted to earn money for his mother, who is, in, who is now Honduras. And being alone, growing up, he told me he sent every month, he sent money to his mother. And somehow, in the middle of that, he became relapsed with some drugs, and now jail and work he leaves, but he's trying to recover and overcome his addiction. And think about a person growing up in this country all alone. Some relatives, but no father, no mother, no brother. So Greg Fry, in that seminar about ACE, Adverse Childhood Experience, he, he suggests to shift our question from what's wrong with you to what happened to you. So that's kind of empathize, trying to understand what's behind rather than what we see, but what's under the water, what's behind the curtain, trying to understand people's lives, what happened to their life. That's compassion. And help and share, spending your time with them, listen to them, and engage with them, those who are in need. And lastly, obedience. Uh, I respect Mother Teresa in Calcutta. And uh, she, she wrote a book uh, named Words. So Mother, Ter Mother Teresa's Meditation. And one line I still clearly remember is that she said like this, honestly, Jesus is the only one I fully trust. She said like that. I really love that. I, honestly, Jesus is the only one 
I fully trust. And we, as we think about obedience, obedience, that word, a bit dangerous in our time because we find not, not a few abusive, abusive things and some injustice in our world. So emphasizing only, only obedience could be dangerous in our time because we need to dodge all those risks, right? So making focus of obedience is important. What is the focus? What is the, what is the criterion of our obedience? I believe that is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and his message, his gospel. So trying to believe and understand and follow Jesus Christ, making clear the focus, who is the focus of our obedience. And to do that, lastly, what I want to emphasize with obedience is the first step when Jesus called people to himself. Jesus said, whoever wants to follow me, what Jesus said, the first step. Whoever wants to follow me, what Jesus said. Yes, deny yourself. Our culture around us is mad for self-advertisement, self-approving, self-insistence. But what Jesus told us is self-denial. And carry your cross and you follow me. What I believe, my conviction, without self-denial, good obedience to the Lord is impossible. So as we go through this land, seeing the Messiah riding donkey rather than shire, so humble, compassionate, and obedient, may we together practice more tangibly to our neighbors, to our brothers and sisters, Humbleness, compassion, and obedience for Jesus Christ. So I want to wrap up together. Let us turn to Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. It's the prophecy about Messiah, right? Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. Would you stand up together? Let us wrap up with reading that verse of prophecy about the Messiah. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, together. Start. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the fall of a donkey.